welcome to Travel Time. We're going to be talking today a little bit about Mesa Verde. So we wrapped up our time in Moab. We had about a little half day left and we'll spend a little bit of time just wandering around the downtown area and having a little lunch at the Spoke on Center. It's a really kind of quirky and fun restaurant that had some good options on the menu. Um, One of the things that several at our table liked were the shakes. I think they were Huckleberry. We had some Just good food all around, and I would definitely suggest checking them out for a meal if you're in Moab. They had a lot of outdoor seating um, that was shaded, but we decided to eat inside, and it was relatively quiet inside. Most people were choosing to eat outside. After we wrapped up lunch and a little bit of shopping, we headed out to Cortez, Colorado. About a little over two hours, probably close to three maybe, or from Moab to Cortez, and we were headed to Mesa Verde. We were getting ready to have two nights at the Hampton Inn there in Cortez and a full day at Mesa Verde while we were staying. The Hampton in Cortez had a nice indoor pool and spa, which was nice because it was very hot and kind of dusty on the trails and things. So it was nice to have a place that we could kind of relax and cool off a little bit. We left... um, we felt the labor shortage the most when we were in Cortez. That's one thing we saw. So a lot of places are experiencing a labor shortage post-COVID or during COVID. Um, and a lot of that was due to a lot of people switching jobs or things like that or places reopening and having to rehire a lot of staff. And a lot of restaurants in Cortez had very limited capacity. They either had a really sedu- severely reduced number of tables they were sitting or in a lot of cases, the restaurants were closed an extra day each week. So on any given night, you had to kind of check to see if they were going to be open or not because their normal hours might not apply. They might be closed on a certain day. So we ended up eating the first night at Jay Fargo. It was just close to the hotel and it was actually open. And so we had really good service in spite of the labor shortage and really enjoyed our food there. It's really close to the Hampton. It's worth a check out. They have um, quite a few... Tex-Mex and Mexican style restaurants around there too. Um, a couple of the ones we wanted to try were actually closed the night we were there. So we, that's the main reason we didn't try those. And I will say the breakfast at the Hampton was very limited due to COVID. We were finding at different Hamptons and Homewood Suites and things that the, it varied a lot from restaurant or from hotel to hotel, how their breakfast was being handled. So a lot of places were still having the breakfast, but had maybe prepackaged goods and things like that. Some of the Hamptons had pretty, pretty normal breakfast and some of the Hamptons just had like a grab and go box. And so we were, had a couple grab and go boxes that were good, had a couple that were just not good or just not a lot of stuff we would eat. So on that particular day, I actually walked next door to Denny's and got some takeout There is a Denny's like a block away from the hotel if you should want to do that. The second night we were there, we actually ordered pizza into the room. So their Pizza Hut pizza was pretty good, but we decided just to stay in and have a relaxing night in the hotel. We were watching the track and field preliminaries for the Olympics or the qualifications for the Olympics. While we were there, we did head into Mesa Verde, which was, we went in Okay, while we were there, we did head into Mesa Verde, as as I mentioned, and we went in fairly early to try to avoid some of the heat. Um, When I was a kid and we came out to Mesa Verde in the 80s, it was my favorite national park. And for a long time, it was still my favorite national park. I would say it's still in the top five or 10. Um, 
My first trip there, we actually toured Cliff Palace and it was an amazing experience just being able to walk through what is the biggest cliff dwelling that's preserved there. See kind of the kivas and how they had all those structures in the, in the cliff and how so many people live there. Cliff Palace is thought by some to be kind of like a city center where people from other cliff dwellings nearby would go in to kind of like a marketplace. So it was just really neat to see all of that. And I was anxious to share that with my boys. I will say that because of COVID, the tours were severely restricted compared to what they normally are. There were a lot fewer of them and they had a lot less capacity on each one. And they opened up two weeks before the date they were going to be available so that you could try to book a date. I was on at exactly the time that they get released and did not get one because there were so few and they went like instantly. Just something to keep in mind, we did not cancel our trip there in spite of not being able to go on a tour. We were just, at least we could see them even though we couldn't walk around in them. We did start there, but be aware if you want to try to get a tour to any of the houses, you have to be online two, two weeks before. Go to their site in advance, figure out how it all works, which ones you wanna to try to get because uh, you literally won't have time to try to get Cliff Palace and then try to get Longhouse because while Cliff Palace is selling out, Longhouse is also selling out. Just some things to keep in mind. Since we couldn't go on one of the paid tours, we actually started out, there are two mesas you can drive out on and there are different cliff dwellings on different ones. So one thing to keep in mind about Mesa Verde is you hear a lot about maybe five or six cliff dwellings that are sometimes available for touring, things like that. But there are over 600 cliff dwellings preserved in the park. And there are 4,000 archeological sites within the park, which is just amazing to me. It's just so many. What the cliff dwellings are, and it's the main purpose of Mesa Verde, is to preserve these. It's actually the, it's the only national park in the United States created to protect cultural and historical sites instead of just natural features. So that's a that's a difference with this national park. It's the cliff dwellings were inhabited by descendants of the ancestral Puebloan people. Descendants of those, just to kind of put it in today's context, the Hopi in Arizona are descendants of the ancestral Puebloans, Puebloans. and there are 19 other groups that are kind of spread far and wide that are descended from this group. They lived here in the cliff dwellings from 600 to 1300 AD, and then just kind of mysteriously abandoned at that point. No one really knows exactly why they were abandoned. Some theorists were because it was repeated crop failures in the area and they had to move on to find more food. But there's no concrete record by left behind as to why, why they deserted the area. The park itself though was created in 1906 uh, by Theodore Roosevelt. It's also a UNESCO education, science, and cultural site. Cliff Palace, as I mentioned briefly, was one is the most famous dwelling. It dates back 700 years and was likely once painted very bright colors, which is really interesting to think about when you're when you're looking at it. As I mentioned, there are two different mesas where you can go out viewpoints of a lot of these different homes. We started on Weatherill Mesa, partially because that's the one that I had not been on before. When I came with my family, we only went on. Chapin Mesa, and so this time we started on Weatherill. We drove out to the end, so basically on, on both mesas, you're, you're gonna drive out along kind of a scenic road for a while before you get to the site where there's parking short, short trails or case of Chapin Mesa, a little um, 
like driving loop where you can stop at different sites. So on Weathero Mesa, we stopped and the first thing we did was a self-tour Step House. So Step House is one of the only ones. And at this time, the time we were visiting, it was the only one that you could tour on your own. It's a very short kind of 1.5 mile trail, I believe, where you go, you descend down in, on the side of the cliff you can tour Step House and then you come back the other side. So obviously the trip down is fairly easy, the trip and a lot of a lot of steps, but fairly easy. And the trip back is very steep. So just be ready for that. It is a short one though, so it's not a prolonged trip. It was called Step House because the ancient Puebloans who lived there had built a staircase into the side of the cliff that went up from their dwellings up up the side of the cliffs and possibly originally all the way to the top and you can see the remnants of it still there. It's also interesting because it does have evidence of the evolution of how people used to live on the cliffs. So originally they were in kind of pit houses where they were mostly below ground and they would have an entrance on the top but the dwelling itself was underground for the most part. And then it evolved into these things that look almost like primitive apartment structures where people would live in the different rooms built into the cliff with more of kind of a clay brick they had made. And so it shows both of those kinds of dwellings here. So there are the pit houses, there's a ceremonial kiva where they had a lot of the ceremonies for the community. And then there's kind of the apartment-like structures that are built in. It's interesting because you can see the two, the evolution there a little bit more. The pit houses, obviously, they might have lived there for, for that time. And a lot of the cliff dwelling sites, they may have had those originally and then built the later cliff dwellings, the more um, apartment type brick ones later. And it's, it's just nice to be able to see them side by side. So we did that. And while we were also on Weatherill, we went up and we checked out some of the pieces of Badger House community, which showed some of the different archeological sites of pit houses and different structures of people living on top of the Mesa, which also occurred. And you can stop it, I think it's four sites to see evolution of different types of structures that used to be on the Mesa that were being preserved. A little bit further down, if you continue on on the Badger House Community Trail, you can see a nice view of Longhouse. So as I mentioned, we couldn't tour Longhouse because it was by ticket only, we couldn't get tickets. They were actively touring it at the time. We just couldn't go. But there is a very nice viewpoint to Longhouse. If you go down the trail and go off, there's just an overlook. And it's a really it's a really nice view where you can see pretty much the whole thing from a short distance. If you go on further, there's another one, I believe it's called the Kodak Cliff Dwelling. We didn't go that far because we wanted to also be able to see the other Mesa and kind of see both things. We went to Longhouse and then we proceeded back to the car. I highly recommend checking those things out. There are water stations around and bathrooms. So if you're back on that trail, there is a bathroom right by the Badger House community. There's also kind of a picnic type shelter. It's more, it's a gathering place where they take off for the longhouse tours. So when you get to this big parking lot, you park at this parking lot and everywhere you want to, you might want to go on Weatherill is a trail from there. So Step House is a trail from that parking lot. There's a ranger check-in desk where you can check in if you're going on a longhouse tour. And um, like I mentioned, a couple sets of bathrooms out there that you can use. We left Weatherill Mesa and headed back. We stopped at the Farview area. And the Farview area has an overlook, as you might guess from the name Farview, but it also has kind of like a service center and it's got restrooms. It's got a cafe style restaurant or cafeteria style restaurant, I should say. It's got like an ice cream and coffee stand and it's got a big gift shop 
in there. So we stopped there to have a little bit of lunch. They had a very limited menu. Not sure if it was because we were on the late end of lunch or if it was because of COVID or possibly both. But we did manage to grab a couple of little pizzas and sandwiches and, of course, ice cream. Kind of fueled back up and headed to Chapin Mess at Mesa. I will mention Fargue Terrace is really nicely positioned. If you're coming off one Mesa and then going to the other, it's right there in the middle. So if you time it right and you get there early, you could spend like half the day like we did on Weatherall Mesa, come back, eat dinner or lunch, and then head down the other Mesa. And that's what we did. It worked really well. The timing was pretty good. So as I mentioned, we headed out to Chape Mesa and did the Mesa Loop first. The Mesa Loop has some pretty impressive preserved pit houses. Square Tower House had a viewpoint as well. And we walked, we worked our way along the different stops. I think there are 13 stops in all along the trail. And we worked along to Sun Temple. A couple of things that are notable is they, they do have a couple pit houses, as I mentioned. They also have one where there's evidence of not just a pit house, but a community. So like a central area where there were maybe kind of trading areas and pit houses. And it also has evidence of three different phases of buildings. So when they first did the pit houses, when they started building single story structures, and then there's evidence of when they started doing multi-story structures. That was a particularly interesting site to see how that evolved over time. At the Sun Temple stop, there was an impressive structure still being preserved that was they believe for ceremonial use. And around it was also an overlook where there were great views of Cliff Palace. And there were at least six other smaller cliff dwellings you could see from that viewpoint. So you could really see that, like I said before, Cliff Palace might've been kind of a central hub type dwelling, like kind of like the city, so to speak. And there were those other ones around. The Rangers were actually sharing with us that that's one of the theories they had. But there were tons of really small cliff dwellings as well as a couple of bigger ones that you could see all up and down that um, canyon. I would definitely stop, even if you're not stopping at all of the pit house viewpoints, I would definitely stop at Sun Temple so you can get those views of the, of the different cliff dwellings. On our way back out of the park and out off the mesa, we did stop at the Spruce Tree House, which in the past has been one that you can tour on your own. And right now it is not. It's one of the best preserved, it's one of the best preserved structures in the park, but they have recently had, so there was a ranger at the Overlook that I was talking to and she said it's not open right now to self tours because they noticed a little bit of incivility in one of the buildings and they don't want anyone going in there on self tours and making, making that situation worse since the, since the site is so very well preserved right now. They are working to see, they don't necessarily go in and reinforce their, they maintain everything like it is and try to preserve it in the format it is by taking care not to trample on it and climb on it and things like that. But they want to make sure it's stable, not just for preservation purposes, but also so that no one gets hurt when they're in there. Something that might not be stable comes down or something like that. But you do have a very good viewpoint from the stop so you stop and there's a small building and a little porch where you can sit there and look at the spruce tree house there's also the spruce tree house trail so you can go down the trail and get a lot closer to it you just can't go onto the site at all so that one's worth checking out as well and it, just, it might just be a shorter stop than it used to be in the past because you can't go into the house i think that that pretty much sums up we finished up looking at spruce tree house and then started to head back the timing was really good. We got back to Spruce Tree House probably around like 4.30 or so when it was still pretty hot and headed back for dinner. 
Like I said, that the second night we had a quiet dinner in the hotel. We were kind of ready for a night of eating in and whatever format that would take on the road and wanted to kind of get some extra rest because we had the longest drive between stops after this. We were headed to the Grand Canyon, which was about six hours away. So we decided to head back. Um, one thing I will mention that we did not get a chance to take advantage of is Mesa Verde is a dark sky park, as are a couple of the parks we visited. The stargazing is supposed to be phenomenal. Um, a lot of people go out to Farview at night and look, look out over the stars because it's so far away from light pollution. There are not a lot of lights out there on the mesas. There are not a lot of big cities around to pollute the light, so it's a great place for stargazing. They even have a festival once a year just for stargazers to come and gather um, to watch the stars. So. If you're into stargazing or if you've never been to a dark sky park before and been able to see the stars like that, highly recommend it. You can see hundreds and hundreds of stars that you have never seen before if you if you normally live in a bigger city. So like I, like I said, we didn't get to see that at this trip, but the Grand Canyon's North Rim is also a dark sky park and we did there. So I will talk more about that on my next episode. Join us on the next one to hear more about our last stop, the Grand Canyon. And until then... Happy travels.